everybody welcome back to draco's den i know it has been a very long break uh in between my last show and this show of course there are some people that have still been listening to the last episode um i've been watching the numbers go up on that one but it's been over two weeks since i have put out a new episode so i figured it's time to come back and do an update episode. Uh, now that I am officially in Arizona, I am in my own space, which means I feel most comfortable, you know, taking my time to record. And currently, I don't have anyone to come and interrupt my recording sessions because it's just me here. So, this episode is going to update you on how the trip was to get here. It wasn't exactly the greatest. Um, you know, what's been going on since I've got here. I'm going to update on what I have planned as in regards to books. And pretty much, you know, what shows are coming up and where we're going from here. Um you may have noticed that there was music playing in the beginning of the episode now. Um, and that is for a reason. That song was specifically done for me by a friend of mine. and Because I said I would like to have some music to go with my show. And she gave me a song to go with the show. So, intro and outro, you will now hear music. It's a song specially created just for me, just for the Draco's Den podcast. But let's get into all the fun stuff about the trip, updates on the kids, and so on and so forth. Okay, so let's get into the chaos of me leaving St. Louis, passing the kids off, so on and so forth. Now, let's be clear. We know I have three kids. We know there's the 17, the 14, and the 8-year-old, right? The 17-year-old is still not talking to me. Um, unless he wants something. When he wants something specific, like he needs some information, needs a phone number or whatever, I get a text message. And if he thinks it's vital, he'll give me a phone call as if I have any information to give him. So the last time I spoke to him, the last two times I spoke to him, one, he was asking me about a court hearing that I have no fucking clue about because I don't have custody of him anymore. So there's no reason that any of his workers would pass that on to me. They would pass it on to his mother, but she claims she didn't know either. So... Maybe if he wasn't on the run, he would, you know, just go ahead and call his workers and get the information he needs because he's going to have to deal with them one way or another anyway. But he is still in his feelings because he didn't get to just do what he wanted to do and stay in my home. No, you wanted to be an adult. You get to deal with the adult consequences, sir. Sucks to be you, I guess. But... Last, the other thing he called me about was the phone number for my sister who works at the Jack in the Box that I got him a job at originally, probably because he's lost the job where he, that he had at UPS. Not my problem, not my thing. I am officially 1,400 miles away, and while I love my kids, all of them, in that particular child's case, I have to make myself not give a shit. So... That brings me to the 14-year-old. Now, he is still in residential. And the move did not originally bother him so much. And I'm going to harp on this subject a little bit. But I'm going to tell you why it's now bothering him. 
when I initially proposed the idea to him and I told him that I would be moving, like this was never a question of would I be moving? It was a question of when I would be moving. And the only thing I was waiting on was some form of resolution with the children. Now, originally that meant the 17 year old I would take guardianship of and he would come with me and the eight year old I would probably adopt and he would come with me or he would move on to his bio parents. And neither of those things happened for him. But we're going to stay on the 14 year old here. Now, with the 14 year old, I knew that he would not be able to leave when I wanted to leave because of the nature of his needs. So I knew it would take time to get to that point. I also had been discussing this with one of his workers for the past year. This was not a secret to his team. This was not a surprise to his team. It wasn't a surprise when I chose to move because I told them when I would be choosing to move. I knew when I felt that with the eight-year-old things were either going to go towards adoption or guardianship with him or he was going to be moving back to his parents or whatever. Once the discussions got heated either way, I would make my, I would be making my move. Over the past 10 months, it has become adamantly clear that the foster system is, is broken as fuck. Actually, it's been evident to me for several years now. But in the case of my eight-year-old, it became even more evident that they were not going to do right by him and his siblings. And if you're asking, what do I mean by do right? I'll get to that in a minute. We're going to go back to the 14-year-old. So with the 14-year-old and his team, and I have been active with his team since the moment I was selected to try to adopt him. I have stayed. I have been in every meeting with, with a couple of exceptions of ones that they scheduled at a time where I was at work and could not get away. Fine, dandy, what the fuck ever. Other than that, I was in every meeting. If I wasn't in the meeting, I was sending information for the meeting. I have, I've been dad to this child. And that is what he knows me as. That is the important part to me. That is how he sees me. So I have done everything that a dad could do. He lived with me for a time. There were extenuating circumstances why he could not. He was not set up to succeed in my home. His needs were far and above and beyond what I was able to provide and still work full time. He's a very high needs child. Not just because he's autistic, but mostly because of the response that he has to his past traumas. And he has been in foster care for nine, about nine years now, almost 10. He has a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma to unpack in addition to being autistic. So he's already, you know, his brain is wired a little differently than the neurotypical person. But then when you add years of abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, suspected and apparently substantiated, there is a lot that has gone on in, in my middle child's life. And, it, and he has a lot of needs. He needs a lot of supervision. He has... It's very hard to take him on as a completely single parent without a very strong circle around you that can help ease that load. I'm going to be frank with you people. I don't fucking have that. I had a lot of people guarantee when I first, you know, got approved for him that they would be around, they could help with him, they understood autism, they could definitely, you know, babysit, and they understood some of the traumatic issues that I was able to, to you know, 
relay and they would be able to help me when I needed a break or just needed some assistance. So many people. Now, understand this. My mother at the time was 900 miles away. Now she's over 2,000 miles away. But when I had Damon, 900 miles away. She's in North Carolina. I'm in Missouri. She's great as a sounding board. She was great as someone for me to talk to. She, Damon loves her, or my child loves her. Um, she was great for, you know, talking to him. She was great at, you know, kind of chastising a little bit in a more motherly way, but she's still further away. And even if she was closer, due to my mother having gone through some of the health issues she's gone through, including beating, you know, breast cancer and dealing with other health ailments, I would not want her to watch my child, that child, by herself. Um, because of his aggression issues, and since his issues are primarily geared towards women, I would prefer that if she had been closer, she would have to watch him with my stepfather. Now, but, and I have my best friend, but again, my best friend's female. So there's only so much that she could do with my middle child. Um, and, you know, with the, with the schedule she worked and her husband worked, you know, and he was older, but couldn't be left at home by himself, so on and so forth. I, I didn't have a whole lot of, of assistance. All, a lot of the assistance that I thought I would have that promised they would be there were not for reasons that are of their own. You know, some of them, it's, you know, there were actual legitimate health reasons that I didn't find out about till later. And some of them were just not willing to help. I took a step back with him to reevaluate and to get assistance in place and this was years ago so i've had him for over two years now and you know the plan originally was to get the assistance that i needed in place and bring him back and there was a lot of assistance that he would qualify for because he's autistic so being developmentally different benefited me as a parent in that there was more assistance that i could get for him however the first problem to come up with him is he had this bitch of a caseworker originally who, because I would not take him back in on her time with no additional assistance. And, you know, we were struggling with he's a child that has to be occupied, you know, during the day. He cannot go to a daycare and just sit there and watch TV. That doesn't work for him. He needs stimulation. I can't provide that if I have to work. I have to fucking work. You know, I, that little check that they give us for fostering and adopting kids, let me just be real with y'all. It don't cover shit. There's no way that you, it's not like you could quit your job and just foster children. Because if I, I mean, if they paid enough for that, sure, I'd rather do that than do what I do for a day job. But there was that ultimatum. Finally, that bitch went out on maternity leave and I got some relief and progress was being made. Now, then he had a setback. He had a major setback. And the setback prevented him from coming to anyone's home because the, setup, the setback involved him getting a hold of a gun and attempting to use it in one of his fits of rage. Now, the blame should really go on the worker at the residential facility that had the damn gun in his vehicle and left it unlocked so that my child could get it. And the only saving grace was that he didn't know how to take the damn safety off of it. But 
that prevented him from being allowed back into my home. Not just by me, but you know, he was placed on probation with his high risk behaviors, his tendency to run, you know, that would have been violations to his probation that would have gotten him removed within a few weeks of being in my home, just because sometimes he does run off and you have to have someone go hunt him the fuck down. Well, that would have been a violation of probation that would have gotten him sent back to juvenile detention where, you know, he's not really getting meds and it's not really the place that's going to rehabilitate him in as they would try to argue, it doesn't help him. It, it makes it worse. And honestly, after he got out of the, the juvenile detention facility and was placed in residential care, he did get worse. His behaviors spiraled in ways that are like, okay, who the fuck can handle these? You know, when he's attempting to steal cars and not only, it, not just, it's not even like the, I'm going to break into a car and try and steal it type thing. No, it was literally him concocting a plan to have another child who's perhaps more innocent seeming attempt to steal the keys to a van so that they could get in it and go drive. Again, he's 14. He was 13 at the time, hadn't turned 14. This is fairly extreme. And and then there's attacks on staff and the, the aggression in the attacks was getting so high that they couldn't really justify placing him in a regular home. He wasn't stable enough. And None of these residential facilities really helped with that, to be honest. The, so, the therapy that they were supposed to be providing, you know, in that last facility, they acted like they didn't know the damn child was autistic. And it's obvious if you speak to them and you have any fucking inkling or understanding. But they tried to say that the idiot bitch worker that I hated from the first part, who thankfully is now no longer his worker... Um, didn't tell them that. And the one thing I could give her credit for was that she always made sure people knew that about him. So they didn't even, for five or six months, they weren't even, you know, treating him properly because they were ignoring the autism. And then when you would try to make a little progress, then we'd have another major setback that for licensing reasons made him less safe to bring in my home. And then we were doing overnight visits um, we just started them. Like we, he was getting a little better We're doing the overnight visits. I had to have my other child at home and fight with his workers and, and well, not even his workers, but his stupid ass bio parents, you know, to have him home on those weekends so that I could have them interact with each other because they were going to be living together. Ideally. And then COVID happened and all during COVID, I had not seen him most devastating thing for me and for him we were not able to see each other during COVID. i broke my foot um i broke my foot what was that june july july i think um i can't drive on a broken foot because i broke the right foot not the left foot break the left foot i can get around break the right foot you're fucked we and then you know they they weren't having visitors at, at that point either you know with COVID happening um it wasn't safe. There were there were a couple of outbreaks in the facility he was in. My child himself wound up testing positive for COVID. He has pulled through. He didn't exhibit any symptoms. But still, we didn't get to see each other until right before I left. The week before I left is the first time I had seen him since February or beginning of March. And that was a goodbye session. That was me trying, you know, reminding him, you know, I'm still dad. And, you know, him telling me about being featured on the news that was getting ready to come up. And we're going to touch on that subject in a minute. And he understood what that meant. He understood that that meant that his team 
was searching for another family to take him. And his interpretation was, and it's a fair interpretation, that he would not be able to come live with me. And this saddened him. It made him depressed. He's, he's upset about that. And he's still upset about it. Because now the damn thing has aired. And I'm upset about it for a different reason. I had to be the one to explain to him, okay, this does not necessarily mean that you will never live with me. Because it doesn't. I am still technically able to adopt him across state lines. If it comes down to that point, technically they have to look within state lines, but he was a very difficult case to try to find someone to adopt. And at the time that they approved me, I was literally their last ditch effort. No other families were willing to come forward and deal with the combination of his developmental disability of autism, in addition to his some of his more extreme behaviors and the traumatic past, they weren't able to deal with all of it together understandable. I had trouble with it myself. I have been working all this time towards that goal. And I still, I just met with his team like two weeks ago, right before they released this little video on the fucking news. Now here is where my problem begins to come in. I don't know if he's seen the video, but the video was shown to me. And my problem with the video is this bitch that I've been talking to, one of his workers, that, you know, I was found the easiest to associate with normally, said something in the course of the little interview for this. Now, again, I am not as upset about the idea of them looking for another family that can take him in, because right now I cannot, for multiple reasons. You know, licensing reasons, the fact that I'm across, um, you know, I'm in a different state and have to get relicensed here, although that doesn't necessarily matter with him because I'm technically a kinship placement. I don't have to be licensed to adopt him anymore. But what pissed me off is that this woman opens her mouth in the interview when she's telling, you know, what kind of family they, they think is best for him. And she says that he needs, you know, I was okay with the whole needing a family that's active and all that shit. That's fine. My child is very active. And I'm going to continue to refer to him that way, even if somebody does manage to come in and adopt him, because he's mine. But she says that he needs, he really needs a strong father figure because he's never really had one before. Well, excuse the fuck out of me, bitch, because the last that I checked, I'm still here in meetings with you fuckers every month, sometimes twice a month talking to you on other days about other shit. Last I checked, I'm the one that's been doing this dad thing all along. I was the one that was adamant that his meds needed to be changed when I first got him and had to fight with his worker who refused to allow me to do so, which was a pain in my ass. I fought and fought and fought with her until he was hospitalized twice, and then I was proven to be right after they removed him from my home. Put him in a facility. I have been here through each and every one of the facilities that he's been with after that. I have dealt with all kinds of shit for him with these facilities, with trying to get him moved, with trying to get him the right help. I have been the one that had to make sure that you guys did your fucking job and got someone fired that was harassing him. I did that, and I had to do so in a rude way in the way a parent would. 
in that my child reported to me that there was a particular worker at the first facility that you put him back in, which you knew that facility was horrible for him. You knew he had been abused in that facility before. And as a matter of fact, it had his arm broken before I ever got him in that same facility. But you put him back there anyway, because, quote unquote, you couldn't find anywhere else. Come find out that was bullshit. My child tells me that there is a worker who has blatantly told him to his face in front of others and in front of other children and has told several of the children that he likes to place them in restraint holds because he likes hurting them. Now, it was not his workers he felt comfortable telling that to because he didn't feel like they'd do anything. It was me that he told. And it was me that got on the phone with said workers and told them, you have exactly 48 fucking hours to get that man away from my child before I go burn the entire fucking facility down. Was I joking? Who the hell knows and who the hell cares? Point of the matter is, in 48 hours, that man was fired. Why? Because what, I, what my child told me was, in fact, entirely true, proven, thanks to testimony from several children, and he was fired. I did that. I'm the one he calls every single day in every one of those facilities. When he has a phone call day, I am the first number he calls. When he's having a moment, whether it's a good moment or a bad moment, and he wants to tell someone about it, it is my phone he calls, not y'all's. Since y'all are saying he doesn't have a positive father figure yet. Yeah, no, no. I, last I checked, I have a dick and balls, and I've checked again just to make sure they're still there. Yeah, they're there. I'm a dad, not a mom, you dumbass. It is me that he still uh, that he wrote a letter to while he was in juvenile detention center after the gun incident. That was me that got a letter in his word, no prompting from anyone else, but his words to explain and to apologize to me for what he did. A child that is not does not have a positive father figure would not have felt the need to apologize to me if I wasn't a positive father figure, if I wasn't a strong father figure. Why would he apologize to me? I'm not a father figure, according to you, you dumb bitch. But according to him, I'm dad. And let's be real, I'm really the only person he's ever thought of in that way. I'm the only person that when he asked what to call me, that's what I told him he could, and that's what he's run with. That's how he's thought of me. I'm also the only one that when I tell him I'm going to do something, I've fucking done it. So if I told him I would handle a situation, I did. If I told him I would tell his worker and make them handle the situation, I fucking did. If I told him I was going to buy him something, I fucking did it. I've kept my word at every opportunity that I am able to keep my word. I've never outright lied to him. Kids notice these things. So for this bitch to stand on this fucking video on local news and to say that he's never had a strong father figure, bitch, do you think that that's going to make me go away? No, because in, in this particular worker's case, I'm probably going to be on the case longer than you because in a couple of months, you're going to be off the case if nothing changes. I'm still going to be around. I'm still going to be the one he calls. I'm Still going to be the one he calls for every single fucking thing at every fucking phone call that he possibly gets, which is fine. That's what he's supposed to do for me. But for the, for this dumb bitch to say this shit on TV just kind of irks the fuck out of me because I'm like, bitch, you're not going to devalue what parenting I have done and the progress that I've gotten him to make as far as connecting with someone. I can't control all of his behaviors. 
as as she herself has often told me, he's always going to have some. Yeah. So what the fuck did you expect? Did you expect me to, a father figure to come in and be like goddamn Jesus and mystically heal all of his problems? That's not how the world works, sweetie. But as far as his ability to connect with someone, yeah, I've got that down, sweetie. I dare say it's going to be hard to find someone he will connect with as strongly as me at this point. So, you know, that was a little insulting. On to the other kid. I'll make this one short. With the eight-year-old, I think I, I, I touched on this before, They the courts more or less made the decision to keep going forward. And even though they made the decision to try to restore custody to his father. Fuck that. Sparring boner. Um, and they were told last court hearing to get the paperwork going. And for this paperwork, because his father lived in Illinois and he's in the custody of Missouri, all his father had to do was when a Illinois worker contacted him to set up a day to come investigate his house to make sure that it was safe for the children and he had space for them and all that good shit. All he had to do was find a way to make that happen. So if they could not do it on your scheduled fucking off day, welcome to parenthood, sweetie. You were supposed to, you know, take that day off, take a half day, take a partial fucking schedule swap. I don't care. But he hasn't done it. Hadn't done it. And I told him myself, dude, I'm leaving on October the 16th. You have until October the 16th to get your shit together because the 15th is the court hearing. Get your shit together. Get the damn inspection done so that they can finish processing your damn paperwork and you can take your son and he doesn't have to bounce from me to someone else and then to you, assuming you ever fucking get him. He said that he understood this. Instead, he did fuck all of nothing. So, as I was nearing my time to go, I have already put in all of my notice. I have put in notice for my apartments. I didn't have to. I put in the two week notice for my job to let them know that I'm moving, which was all that it really took. I have put in notice with the worker. He still hasn't done anything. Court hearing is approaching. The Case manager had to find another foster home. They tried putting him in the foster home with his little brother, but that foster mother only takes children of a certain level. My child was a traditional level child. His little brother is a therapeutic level child who I had first, and that's all she takes. If you're asking yourself what's the difference, you get paid more for the therapeutic level ones. They have stronger behaviors, need more supervision, they get paid more each month. So she wouldn't take him. So the backup plan wound up being the foster father that had him before me. Okay. Now, I have no problem with, with his previous foster dad. We've kept in contact. He's babysat him a few times, you know, to allow him to play with his older brother and, and see him and, and maintain that relationship. And that's fine. The only problems I have in general with that idea was they were separated by you guys. The reason he was brought to me was because that foster father had to, you know, had to get rid of one because they were getting in too much trouble together. I don't know how much it's going to change, even though it's been over a year and a half. I, hey, they, they both still have some very strong behaviors. But 
that's the choice they made. The state of Missouri refused to do what was necessary and terminate rights and allow the child to go stay, allow any of the children to stay where they were more stable. And while one could probably try and argue that, well, how is he more stable with you if you were moving out of state? It's a emotional and behavioral thing. He had stabilized quite a bit. Did he still have some behaviors? Yes. Did we still have some discipline? Absolutely. Um, but he had gotten better. He was doing better with me. We had, you know, seen a rise in his grades, his ability to focus in school, his willingness to do his schoolwork, um, even his behavior for school. I mean, now there are some bad behaviors that I've noticed that he did pick up from me, i.e. he's watched me play a lot of video games, so he's heard a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm a, I'm a grown-ass man. I play video games, and I say what I want. Now, he doesn't say exactly what I say, but the volume at which he says things is reminiscent of me and was surprising to his now current foster father. Um, I have been checking in because I promised him and I told him, I said, you know, just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that our connection ends. I will maintain contact, you know, as much as I can. You can call me. I will definitely call you because you're eight and I don't actually expect you to call me because you're eight. Key point for his his dad never fucking understood. You're eight, so it's not really your thing, your obligation to call your parent. No, I'm going to call you. I call, I check in, I will, you know, send stuff for birthday and Christmas and all that. Like, I'm still going to parent him to an extent from a distance. Like, I, we had a discussion like, hey, these little behaviors that you've had in my house with the stealing and the, the food hoarding shit creep back up. And I find out about it, we're going to have a less than friendly conversation over the phone. And everyone knows not to put me on speakerphone. Don't pay attention to what the hell I say to him. Just know that what I say to him is going to get him to act right. At least for a time. Um, and I'm going to maintain that relationship. And I put something in the caseworker's ear. I'm like, if things change and the parents' rights do get terminated, call me immediately because I want to come get my kid. And... I will make whatever arrangements I have to to get there, to get him, and to get him here. That's where we are with the kids. But now, I'm going to touch on this damn trip and everything that's happened on this trip because it was a doozy. Okay, so let's talk about the actual trip and all that crap. So... To start with, um, I turned my eight-year-old over to his new foster father on the 15th after I clocked out of work, um, and we had a few moments together. I took him and dropped him off to his foster father because I knew where he is, and I guess it was just easier for us to do it that way. I had my little breakdown after I left because um, he was okay with getting dropped off. We... we said our goodbyes, I hugged him, and I got in the car, and I had my little breakdown on my way home. Once I got home, it was time to pack up the car, and that was difficult, because I had a lot more shit, even after getting rid of a lot of shit, I had a lot more shit than I thought I had, and I had to get rid of a lot more. And some things that I didn't intend to get rid of, I had to get rid of, because I couldn't fit them into the car the way I needed to. Like, this car was full. Um, I, I needed something much bigger, but... It was what it was. Um, I had to get help to kind of finish up things and finish cleaning out the apartment and 
Then I got on the road. Beginning the new trip was not a problem. You know, I gassed up the tank, get on the road, and I had it in mind. I'm like, I knew this was a 21-hour trip. I'm not going to be able to drive 21 hours straight. I'm not young enough to do that anymore. But, you know, I knew I would stop about halfway. Close to halfway. I stopped in Oklahoma for the night when it got dark. Because I left a little bit late because I had to, you know, run, do a couple of last minute business things before I left at the DMV, which goddamn sucked. Like, I got there right when it opened and it still sucked. I had to turn in my apartment keys and all that good stuff. Get on the road. Make it to Oklahoma. Made very great time. Get up. You know, I stopped and got a hotel. Ate me something. Rested. Got up. I'm intending to be here. Like, I left Friday morning about 9.30. Missouri time. I'm intending to be here by Saturday evening. That was the plan. And if everything had gone my way, that's what would have happened. Instead, I get to New Mexico. After I get up in the morning, I start driving. I get over into New Mexico. I get a good ways into New Mexico. About 1.32 in the afternoon, as I'm coming through New Mexico, I get delayed. There's a car accident outside of Albuquerque. So I've gone through the capital. I'm like, I have been zooming. Everything's going great. Then I hit this point. Traffic stops. Not for a few minutes, not even for an hour. No, 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 no. I was stuck in this goddamn traffic for five hours. One car accident held up both directions of highway. And I didn't know it held it the other direction because where I could see the other direction was fine. But when I finally, five hours later, got up where the accident actually occurred and all they were doing was directing us onto the fucking shoulder. So apparently it takes New Mexico authorities five hours to direct traffic to drive on the shoulder to get around an accident. But then as I finally clear, the, the way going the opposite way is held up. It's dark by this point. Now, I don't really do much in the way of nighttime driving outside of major cities. I can drive where there are streetlights. Ain't no goddamn streetlights on these highways. It's time to go find me a hotel room. So I have to stop another night, have to get more food and all that shit. And this shit that I didn't plan on doing. When I stopped, I had... Um, it said seven originally when, when I stopped. I really only had about five hours to go. And so I stopped, I got in my hotel room, talked to, you know, my mom, talked to my best friend. Like I'm talking to people all throughout my trip because I have two phones, thankfully. So one phone can play the GPS and the music and the other phone is for people to call me on. Checked in with everybody. Finally make it here Sunday afternoon, noon, about noon Arizona time, which is on mountain time. Finally, fucking here, tired. Now, my apartment's not ready. So, you know, I'm staying with my sister. Wasn't a major problem at all, really. Slightly inconvenient for her. A, because I'm sleeping on her futon, which now I own. Um, B, because of the way we, you know, I had to set up for work at her house. Um, and I like her, I cannot work over Wi-Fi. I have to be hardwired to it and where her house is set up. You know, the core, even the core would kind of block off her room. 
needless to say, I fucking hate New Mexico right now. I still hate that place because I'm just like five hours to clear up a goddamn accident. Jesus Christ, the fuck? Why does it take so long? But I made it here. And there was another complication that I was still dealing with from Missouri. And that was a licensing issue because my worker fucked up and let my license expire five months sooner than it was supposed to because she told me it expired in October, it expired in May. So I had done everything to get my shit reinstated. My worker went out on leave. Then I was dealing with her supervisor. I signed off on all the paperwork that I was supposed to sign off on just to get shit reinstated. And I only needed to reinstate it so that they would pay me what they owe me. I didn't get that until the week I moved into this place. And I just moved here last week. I just moved into my apartment this last week. So I finally got all of that and was able to pay, you know, the remaining fees and all that stuff. After not being paid for. It was three months of back pay they gave me. And they still owe me um, for last month, the last month that I had my kid, which is fine. That, that comes out on the 15th. But finally, I've gotten into my place. Now, understand for me, this is, a, this is very different. For the past couple years now, I have been full time single dad. Every morning when I woke up, I was, you know, during the week, I'm getting kids up and getting them ready to go off to school. Um, on weekends, I'm just getting up to get them breakfast at fucking seven in the morning because God forbid daddy be allowed to sleep. Um, I have been used to that for so long that now that I'm here and I'm in a much Smaller place, but more expensive because the cost of living is higher out here. It is a difficult adjustment to go back to being Draco, to just doing for me. You know, when I wake up in the morning, my brain is still wired. First off, it's I work mornings, so I'm still wired to get up early even when I don't have to work, which pisses me off. And I get up earlier than I really have to. Really pisses me off. But my brain is also wired to think, okay, I need to go get this child and make him take his medicines. And oh, wait, I'm here solo. This is an adjustment period for me. And it's going to take a little while. And honestly, by the time I adjust to it, I feel like I'll probably be getting a phone call to go back and get him. Or, you know, to be in discussions to go down the adoption route because I don't foresee things changing for my child. Not my youngest. I don't foresee his parents getting the shit together. I foresee them bullshitting. And eventually, at some point, a judge has to say, okay, well, screw this. You've had enough chances and you're not doing right. And you refuse to do right. You can't do right. Whatever the hell. Let's get terminate your rights and find these kids some permanency. Now, whether his current foster father would try to take both of them, I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. But I asked to be first on the list to come adopt him. And if necessary, I would take his brother too. Either brother. Don't really give a shit. I, you know, had a bond with the younger brother. The older brother just didn't get a chance to really know me. And I think for a time he thought that I took his brother away from him. They are like, he's maybe 10. So, understandable. But that's kind of where we are. Now, 
now that I'm finally here, the next, you know, thing on the to-do list, you know, now that I've got my place, I have some technical stuff like, you know, switching license plates over and all that fun shit and furnishing my apartment. But let's focus on this here. So I'm sure you have to wonder after all of that, which is basically me just needing to vent and get things off my chest because that's what I do here. What's coming with the next shows? Well, answer. There are two book reviews that I need to complete that will be the next couple of shows. So there will not be anywhere near as long of a break now because I am solo. Um, I still have my same computers and stuff. I was hoping to be able to use this new microphone that I got, but unfortunately it's not cooperating with either of my computers. Seems to just be a dud microphone, which sucks because I want it to record in a different way, but hey, this works. Y'all hear me fine. So I can record more often now. I am still going to take more suggestions on topics because I have a couple of topics that were suggested to me that I will have to have guests on to do, and I'll need to arrange. Um, one of those topics being the, um, what was it? Basically, family members showing favoritism towards a particular child. And how that affects, you know, the parent of the child, how that affects the child, uh, you know, the different ways in which we see that shit and all that fun stuff, which me and uh, my mother suggested that topic. And we have a lot to go into with that one. Um, I was also suggested a topic and I'm willing to take any guests on this one. Um, and this one may be about a two-parter. Um, it was about your exes and what they have left with you. This can be, you know, lessons they've taught you, habits you've come up with, um, changes in your personality, changes in your music choices, changes in whatever. What did they leave behind that has stuck with you? And then on the flip side, what did you leave behind with them that stuck with them? If you know the answer. I know those answers. I got a whole lot to add into those subjects. So those are the potential topics coming up, but it'll be the book reviews first because those are shorter, simpler, um, and I'm kind of behind on one of them because I've had the book for like a month and a half. So those will be the next shows. Now, as far as writing goes, it's National Novel Writing Month. Yes, I am definitely on it. I am definitely writing. I am definitely trying to hit my word count like so many others, and I'm pushing myself to that goal. However, I also still have the book that's in editing, um, and I'm still going to try to push out by Christmas, just depending on how things go, how the edits go, how much more editing we need to do, and how long it takes to get a book cover together and put it out and schedule blog tours and all that. I may wait until the new year. I may not. We'll find out. There's a poetry book coming because I've been doing a little bit of poetry. I've had some other events that I'm not going to go as in-depth into, but they inspired more poems to be written, and I feel like I need to hurry up and organize those and put out a poetry book myself. So that is what is coming up in the very near future. Now, as usual, if you are wanting to make any suggestions for a topic, then, you know, feel free to send those to me. 
on social media at Draco's Den on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or on our website, Draco'sden.com. There is also the donate feature on the website if you don't want to donate from the anchor sites and you want to help contribute to keeping the podcast running. That being said, I'm going to wrap this up because it's kind of late in my time and my body has not fully adjusted to the time differential. So I am on Missouri time and in Missouri time, I will be going to sleep right now. So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to let the theme song for the show close us on out and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you.